Before I begin the homily, I just want to make an announcement that Father Sibley wanted to share with you guys. We have decided, as, as really he's decided, so I have no say in this, but we, he has decided that we are going to keep the 9 p.m. Mass all summer long. We're going to try it out, so if you guys want to continue to come at, at 9 p.m., you are more than welcome to come. We'll be here. Another point that he made sure to emphasize to me, and he told me to say this without joking, so I'm going to try not to. This isn't a free Mass. We need to donate and, and, and make sure that this is funded. So and he, he said, college students, you guys have, or he says, I see you guys buying lattes all the time. Lattes are $4. He says the least you can do is give about a latte of cash to the church a week. And now he suggested you guys do it via Venmo because he says none of y'all carry cash. And that might be true. My suggestion is I'm not a big fan of taking phones out in the middle of the, the, the Mass is just go online, become a ministry partner, and donate like 20 bucks a month, all right? You're covered there. You don't have to worry about, about Venmoing or taking out your phone and figuring out who's Snapchatting you and how many text messages you have and all this other stuff. So there you go, guys. 9 p.m. Mass is going to be here all summer long. So looking forward to seeing you guys. Also, we're going to move. We're going to change the Mass times in the morning. We're going to change it from 11 a.m. and 9 a.m., and we're going to condense them and consolidate them to just 10 a.m. And to kind of sweeten the deal, if you will, we're going to offer hour long, an, hour long, an hour of confessions prior to the 10 a.m. Mass. So we're going to start hearing confessions at 9 a.m. So if you want to come, at, come to Mass in the morning and you want to go to confession, we will be here in the confessional, ready to hear your confession. <clears throat> so this past week I decided to go see the movie Unplanned. It wasn't a movie I necessarily wanted to see. In fact, I really didn't want to see it, to be honest. But being that many of our students were going to see it and being that it was recommended to me by the bishop and being that I'm a priest, I figured I should probably go and, and see what it's about. And so in the spirit of Lent and being that it was a, I considered a big Lenten sacrifice, I went and I saw a movie about abortion. Not exactly something I was looking forward to, but it was something that I felt the Lord was actually calling me to do. Now for those of you who are unfamiliar with the movie Unplanned, it's a true story. And it's about a woman named Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson was a Texas A&M grad, and she was a, she's a two-time abortion veteran, if you will. She's, she's had, she had two abortions in her lifetime. And the story is about how she has these two abortions and how she goes from being a moderately pro-life Christian to basically the youngest clinic director in the history of Planned Parenthood. And only as she goes and has a successful year in Planned Parenthood, eventually getting named Employee of the Year, does she come to grips with the reality of what she's doing? Does she, come to, does she begin to repent of her ways and be, end up becoming one of the leading pro-life advocates in the United States of America? Now, I walked into this movie knowing this is the general plot, and I was expecting absolute pain horror, carnage, all this other stuff, and I was right. It is rated R for a reason, because the fact of the matter is abortion, I don't care who's advocating, everybody knows it's nasty, it's ugly, it's grisly, it's a crime. And they, they displayed that without any type of barrier, without, with, with very little, little, little Novocaine to, to kind of numb the effects. And I'll be honest, guys, I saw the passion of Christ, it was awful, it was hard for me to see. But never in my life have I been so traumatized by a movie seeing just this, the, the horror and the wretchedness and the crime of abortion 
played over and over and again and talked about as if it's a business transaction, as if a way of, of gaining commerce, as if it's a, a way of pursuing a career. Treating the death and children and the murder of babies as if it's a way for you to ultimately earn money and cash to keep your corporation, to keep Planned Parenthood alive and well. And as I was looking at this, as I was watching this movie, I could not get the, I could not shake the unbelievable feeling that I was looking right and staring right into the face of pure evil. Pure evil. And as hard as it was to watch, as grisly and as disgusting and as traumatic and as violent as all of this stuff was, I was really glad inside. I was really glad that this pure evil was finally being exposed for what it was. I was really glad this pure evil was being shown to the world as not, not exactly, as not something glamorous, but as something ugly, because that's what it is. Because let's face it, guys, for too long, Planned Parenthood and abortion activists have disguised this grisly activity as a woman's health issue, as an opportunity to so-called ensure equality between the sexes, and as a chance for women to be relieved of an unfair burden, because that's all the child seems to be in, these, in the eyes of these people. It's very sad, and it's as if Planned Parenthood and pro-choice activists were like the men in today's gospel. Like the men who buried Lazarus in the tomb, reluctant to remove the stone for fear of the stench. Reluctant to move the stone for fear of the stench. Reluctant to show the world what they're really about for fear of, what they actually, for fear of the reaction of the world. And yet that's exactly what this movie did, guys. They removed the stone and exposed Planned Parenthood and all abortion activists for what it really was. But the fact of the matter is, that was only part of the movie. It really wasn't even the best part. Because at the end of the day, the life of Abby Johnson was about so much more than just simply exposing the abortion industry. As valuable and as wonderful and as good of a service as that is to humanity as that is, the real story about Abby Johnson... It's not a story of exposure. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of rising from the ashes, of being like Lazarus, dead in the tomb for four days, and yet coming out. I think it's important to look at the story of Lazarus because I think it mirrors so much of Abby Johnson's life. In the story of Lazarus, what happens? Jesus recognizes the death of his friend, and he weeps. Guys, that's what sin does to us. Sin kills us, and because of that, the Lord sees us and he weeps. His heart is moved with sadness. Not anger, but longing, regret over the fact that we have lost our lives, or the fact that we've sinned against him and no longer in communion with him. But that's not it. He then asked the Jews to remove the stone. And what do they say? They say he's been dead for four days. Now, this is not a coincidence. The reason why they say he's been dead for four days is because in Jewish theology, they believed that whenever you die, your soul hovers around your body for a period of three days. This is scientific. I mean, look, if there's, there's, there's cases of people resuscitating after a few days of death. But the, the fact of the matter is they believed that after the fourth day, the soul was gone. The chance of resurrection, the chance of any type of resuscitation vanished. 
And essentially, your body was going to rot right there where it sat. In the sense, I think many of us and many people probably in Abby Johnson's life saw this very same correlation. They saw a clinic director, a Planned Parenthood, somebody who's, who's basically funding and, and, and employing a whole staff of people based off of the, the payment that, people, that, went, that innocent women are paying for abortions. They see, see this person as completely irredeemable. Somebody that not even God can intervene with. I can only imagine that was the the view that so many people had. And yet, and yet, that is hardly the mentality of Christ. Christ looks at every soul. No matter what their crime is, no matter what their problem is, no matter what sin they committed, and sees a potential for a disciple. And that's what was so cool about the movie Unplanned. Because the fact of the matter is, is Abby Johnson came from a family of devout Christians. And these devout Christians never, ever condemned her. They never judged her. They never put her down. They never called her names. But not only that. Outside of the abortion clinic, throughout the movie, they were, if you will, protesters. And I say protesters only in the lightest sense, not with pickets or signs or anything like that. They were out there praying in front of the abortion clinic. And these protesters, if you will, began to form a relationship with Abby Johnson the minute that she started volunteering for the organization. And as they were forming this relationship, what was so beautiful about their interaction is they never, ever condemned her. They never made fun of her. They never called her names. They never put her down. But they looked upon her with mercy that was nothing short of godly. Mercy that I could only dream about. Mercy that ultimately led to her conversion. Because the fact of the matter is, after eight years of working in this abortion mill, after eight years, something happened. She saw an ultrasound of an abortion. Her heart was moved. And because of the openness of the protesters, because of the openness of the people who are pro-life, she had a place to go. And the first people she talked to were those very people who were praying for her for the past eight years in front of that clinic. The very people ultimately saved her life. Guys, if you, if you want to compare this to the story of Lazarus, these people were the ones who rolled away the stone. These people were the ones who in their prayer, in their fasting, in their almsgiving, gave Christ the opportunity to work in her life. Gave her the opportunity to begin to see and experience repentance. Gave her the opportunity to begin to experience Christ. The truth for who she really is. More than an abortion provider, but but a very daughter of his. And that's our call. That's our call. To be like Christ. And to look upon the people who commit crimes, either in our lives, outside of our lives, and especially those people committing the crimes in the abortion industry, to look upon them with mercy and to pray hard for them. Pray our whole souls off for them. Forgive everything for their conversion in the same way that these pro-lifers did for Abby. So that she might be converted. So that they might be converted. The fact of the matter is it would be fantastic if Roe v. Wade could get overturned and I pray that happens any day soon. But how much more beautiful would would it be if the abortion workers refused to work? If abortions quit in the United States, not because of the decision of some judge, but because of the change of someone's heart. 
the change of thousands and thousands of abortion providers' hearts so they may no longer perform this grisly practice and begin to see every child as a gift from the Lord. Every child has life to be cherished. Every child has life to be taken care of. But here's the beautiful part about that, the story of Abby Johnson. And this goes beyond the movie Unplanned. Miss Johnson later on in 2012 became a Catholic. She was raised evangelical, converted to Lutheranism, Episcopalian, and finally she landed in the one true church. And the fact of the matter is, is I can only imagine the experience that she must have had whenever she went to confession for the first time. Whenever she knelt before the priest, confessed the sins that she had committed, and heard those beautiful sacred words, I absolve you from your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine the rush of mercy, the rush of joy, the feeling of pure holiness that must have come upon her soul. And the beauty is that exact rush, that exact joy that she experienced from a minister of Christ is a very similar experience that Lazarus had whenever he exited the tomb. Guys, Christ forgives sins. There's no doubt about that. But St. Augustine points out that while Christ forgives sins, he uses ministers as agents to do it. And he points to this story. Guys, whenever Lazarus leaves the tomb, he's not a free man. Just because he's resurrected doesn't mean that he's okay. He's bound by these burial bands. His, his sight is obscured by a burial cloth. And Jesus Christ, the same Lord who dined with tax collectors, the same Lord who interceded for prostitutes, the same Lord who touched funeral pyres, the same Lord who washed people's feet, could have easily gone up to his friend and untied him himself, and we'd be still talking about it today. It'd be incredible. But he didn't. Instead, he looked at his bound friend, and he looked at the sinful humanity around him, and he said, untie him and let him go. Guy St. Augustine says, that is exactly what happens in confession. That while the priest may be a sinner, while the priest might not be perfect, ex opere operatis, from the work of Christ, from the command of Christ, they can still forgive sins. And that's exactly what happened to Lazarus. These, these sinful men came and unbound him right there, and he was free. In the same way a priest was able to forgive Abby Johnson of her sins. By the, by the waving of his hand in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the sign of a cross. I think that's what's so beautiful about our church is that we're a church here not meant to wage war or hurt or destroy these abortion workers. We're a church longing and begging and praying for them to repent. How beautiful would it be if these abortion workers, instead of continuing to perform these acts, came back to the church went to confession, and allowed themselves to be unbound by the work of confession, by the work of the priest. That's something we can all pray for. That's something we can all offer sacrifice for. That's something we can all finish up Lent strong, offering and asking the Lord to help us to do. So my dear friends, we've got some homework. And this is it. First, go see the movie Unplanned. It's a great movie. There's a lot in it. It's, 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 it's really, truly life-changing. The second thing, pray for an end to abortion. Pray for the end, for the destruction of Planned Parenthood. But most importantly, pray for the conversion of those workers within it. And my dear friends, if they can convert, if they can continue to come to Christ, 
then what Christ said about the death of Lazarus can certainly come true. That this illness is not to end in death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Amen.